This is the word of the Lord. The Bible begins with God creating rhythms. The world was without rhythm when God gave it a beat. Beat one he called day, beat two he called night. With day comes light, then darkness brings night. And God saw that it was good. In the beginning, God created rhythms, daily rhythms. But not only that, as we keep reading the first account of creation, it ends like this, Genesis 2, verse 2. On the, on the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This, too, is the word of the Lord. So the Bible begins with God creating rhythms, daily rhythms and weekly rhythms. God worked for six days, then God rested on day seven. Was God tired? <laughs> no. <laughs> then why did God rest on day seven? Because God was revealing to us how we were put together. We were made for six days of activity, then one day of rest. Six, one. This weekly rhythm was encoded in creation. Six, one. This weekly rhythm was written into the design of God's world, the design of our bodies. Work six, rest one. Work six, then stop. The word Sabbath literally means to stop. So next week we're going to do a deep dive into this weekly rhythm of Sabbath, for now, let me just say that if we want to be in sync with the rhythms of creation and in sync with its creator, we must pray for the grace to honor the Sabbath. So first, God made daily rhythms, day and night. Second, God made weekly rhythms, work and rest. And third, God also made seasonal rhythms, the rhythm of the seasons. So let's back up to the fourth day of creation where we see this. This is Genesis 1, verse 14. God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will mark events, sacred seasons, days, and years. They will be lights in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth. And that's what happened. They will mark events, sacred seasons, days, and years. So the Bible begins with God creating these, these rhythms, including seasonal rhythms. Days turn into weeks, which turn into months, which turn into years. God tilts the earth and spins it around the sun, which gives us seasons. And God saw that it was all good. Now we'll relive. God's creativity is on full display, isn't it? As we experience the change of the seasons. Hot summer days like yesterday. Cool into brisk fall nights, come Lord Jesus. The beauty of today's flower is exchanged for the true colors of fall's foliage. And in all of this, in this seasonal rhythm, God meets us. At least God wants to. If we could just slow down enough and become aware of our surroundings, God wants to bless us and dazzle us through the rhythm of the seasons. So God creates daily, weekly, and seasonal rhythms. God writes these rhythms into the song of creation for us to enjoy. But are we paying attention to the music? 
Or has the the noise and clutter of our culture deafened our hearing, rendering us unable to hear the very sound of God? Whatever the case, the good news is this. God is a gracious God. God is so gracious that he wants to help us out here. So in the Genesis account, God reveals the rhythms of creation, as we just discussed, but then in the rest of the Bible, God reveals the rhythms of worship. First, the rhythms of creation, then the rhythms of worship. And the crucial thing worth knowing here is that these two are tied together, creation and creator worship. As author Wayne Muller writes, we are part, as human beings, we are part of the creation story, subject to all its laws and rhythms. To surrender to the rhythms of seasons and flowerings and dormancies is to savor the secret of life itself. So creation has a rhythm, and we are part of that rhythmed world that God so loves. If we want to live in sync with God, we must get in sync with the rhythms God has hardwired into us and into creation. So now we're going to explore these worship rhythms by turning to some other scriptures. So I already mentioned the the weekly rhythm of Sabbath, taking one day out of six to enter God's rest, soul rest, deep rest. We'll explore this in more detail next week. But with the rest of our time today, I I want to zero in on the daily rhythm, okay? The daily rhythm of prayer in the life of an emotionally healthy disciple. So let's turn to Exodus 29, verse 38, for some help here. Now, this is not a popular passage, and even if you've been around the church forever, you probably have never heard a sermon on this, but here we go. (laughs) Exodus 29, verse 38. Now, at this point in the story, in Exodus 29, God has recently rescued God's people from slavery in Egypt. And now, God begins to teach them how to live in rhythm with creation and with creator. Whenever I do this, man, those lights are blinding. (laughs) Still just getting used to the LEDs. (laughs) So this particular text in Exodus 29 highlights God's gift of a daily rhythm of worship. This daily rhythm we'd all benefit from working into our lives still today. So Exodus 29 verse 38, listen again for the word of the Lord. Now this is what you should offer on the altar, God says. Two one-year-old lambs regularly, every day. Offer one lamb in the morning and offer the other lamb at twilight. We might call this morning and evening prayer. (laughs) Make one offering in the morning and another at twilight. Skipping down to verse 42. This should be the regular, entirely burned offering in every generation at the meeting tent's entrance in the Lord's presence. In other words, this rhythm of morning and evening devotion should mark the life of every generation of God followers. This should be the regular offering in every generation. The text continues and God says, I love this, God says, there I will meet with you. In the morning and evening rhythm of prayer, there I will meet with you. And there I will speak to you, the text goes on. I will meet with the Israelites there, and it will be made holy by my glorious presence. Verse 45. 
I will be at home among the Israelites, and I will be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could make a home among them. I am the Lord their God. This, my friends, is God's way of instituting morning and evening prayer for every generation. As commentator Alan Cole writes in his commentary to uh, Exodus, says, This daily sacrifice was seen as the heart of the law, the heart of worship. And the goal of these daily devotions was to create space for them to meet God firsthand. To create space for them to meet God firsthand. You see, so many Christians today are living off of someone else's spirituality. A pastor, a celebrity, an author, a mentor. We are not experiencing God firsthand, but we are living vicariously through someone else's experience of God. We listen to their stories and witness their lives of divine encounter, and we glean their insights from, the Bible, from Bible study, and we imagine that we are encountering God through them. But really, when we do this, we are like parasite Christians, living off of the sacred experiences of others. But God wants to meet with us firsthand, personally. Even from the very beginning, here in Exodus 29, God reveals to God's people that God wants to meet with each person every morning and every evening. So God commands them to offer the morning and evening sacrifice. And the goal, again, was to create space in their calendar to meet with God. The goal was to carve out time in their schedules to encounter the holy. The goal was to provide regular, twice-a-day opportunities to forge a relationship of trust and intimacy between God and God's people. And I really believe that's what God wants for our daily rhythms, too. Let me ask, what daily rhythms do you have that help you encounter the holy? What intentional time have you set apart to meet with God and listen to God speak? How are you doing at slowing down your life to be with Jesus every morning and every evening? If God had to command the ancient Israelites to make time every morning and evening to be with him, when there was like nothing to do in the desert? <laughs> what about us who live in 21st century America with all our activities and notifications and 24-7 lifestyles? Now obviously things are going to need to look a bit different for us as we set aside time to be with God. We are new covenant people after all, and this new covenant assures us that Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Alleluia. So I up here don't have to be uh, butchering animals every Sunday. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting we institute a twice-a-day rhythm into the life of our church where everyone comes to Heartland every day and we meet out there for bonfire worship and roast. <laughs> So come to think of it, that does kind of sound like fun, doesn't it? Worship and roast. <laughs> so, obviously, so obviously the animal sacrifice part of Exodus 29 no longer applies to us, right? But I still believe at my core that there's a timeless quality to God's command 
to meet with him in the morning and in the evening, to get in sync with the rhythms of creation. There was morning and there was evening the first day. The animal roast was not the timeless part, obviously, but that doesn't mean there's not something here in Exodus 29 for us to imitate. What's there for us to imitate is this. It's the rhythm of morning and evening prayer. I believe God is urging us, actually, urging us to incorporate into our daily lives a rhythm of worship. Now, Let's not get legalistic about this, okay? I'm really good about getting legalistic about things, so I want to try to refrain from putting that bondage on, putting that chain on you. The last thing God wants is for us to create a new law based on some external thing like devotions. The scriptures are clear. In Christ, the only law is love. But for love's sake, can we respond to Christ's love by giving Christ just a couple times in our day to really take him seriously. Just a couple times a day to, to zoom into prayer. Just a couple times a day to meet with God. It seems a bit ridiculous that I feel like I have to convince people to meet with God regularly. But such is the state in the church today. Who wouldn't want to meet with God? <laughs> I can tell you who. The person who doesn't really believe in God. Or the person who believes in God but doesn't believe that God is good. Such a person avoids God just like they avoided the anger of their father. For who knows what God might say if we disturb his peace. Another person avoids God because they don't want to feel guilty. And whenever they approach them, that's how they feel. In their minds, God is mostly interested in pointing out their flaws, showing them what they did wrong, and not in a relationship of love. But this is not the God I'm trying to persuade you to meet with twice a day. Because this is not the God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And as the scriptures say, Christ is the perfect revelation of who God is. So what do the scriptures tell us about God's character? over and over again. They tell us over and over again this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. This is the God who is inviting you to meet him, the one who is rich in love. This is the God who wants to to meet with you, the God who is slow to anger, gracious, and compassionate. Of course, uh, as I said last week, God wants you to pray always, pray continuously. And when Paul says this, I think he's referring to this, this inner awareness of God's presence, this, this sense that we're, as we go through our days, we just have the sense that God is with us. But the thing is, we'll never develop this awareness without setting apart at least a couple times a day for uninterrupted conversation with God. Trying to get back on this drums to wake you guys up. Wake up! Wake up! (laughs) I see you guys. (laughs) Can we meet with God a couple times a day? 
I could offer more biblical support here if we had the time. I could elaborate on the story of Daniel, remember him, who prayed three times a day, every day. Did you know that it was actually his, it was his unwillingness to depart from this daily rhythm of worship that landed him in the lion's den? All he had to do was just not do his thing three times a day for 30 days, but he was focused on it. I could remind you that the early church devoted themselves, this is Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. What prayers? Acts 2 is talking about the fixed hour prayers that every good Jew in the first century would have prayed in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. It's almost certain Jesus himself would have prayed those prayers three times a day. But instead of diving into more biblical material, I want to make it personal. I want to show you on a practical level why it's important to meet with God twice a day. And when I say meet with God, again, I mean, I mean intentionally setting aside, setting aside time to pray. Whether that's for five minutes or for an hour. For those who join us for the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, we're going to do this together every morning and evening. We're not like physically together, but we're going, to, we're going to go through this 40-day devotional to guide us. We'll spend some time with God twice a day, morning and evening, or whatever two times in the day work for your schedule. But the point will be to come before God with humility and with gratitude. And actually, it's this rhythm of daily prayer, which is at the core of the course. So we'd love to have you join us for that. So now let's make it personal, okay? Why should we return to this ancient practice of morning and evening prayer? I'll end with this. On a practical level, level, here's why. Here's why I think we ought to accept God's invitation to meet him in the morning and in the evening. So for most of my Christian life, I've set aside time in the morning to be with God. That's what I was, was trained in uh, in church growing up. Set aside time for your morning devotions. Perhaps you do this too. Now, I miss a day here or there, especially now that we have three kids under five, <laughs> but I think God is gracious with us in this. And again, uh, let me just say, we have to guard against legalism here, okay? God will not love us any less if we don't do this. Just like my wife won't love me any less if I don't make time for her, but it will hurt the relationship. This is true for marriage, and it's true for life with God, too. So while we have to guard against legalism, we also have to guard against laziness. Now, the sort of things I do during this morning time have changed a bit over the last few years. It always involves prayer and scripture. As I've been engaging with this emotionally healthy content, I'm learning to incorporate more silence and listening. But the main point, the main point is that we are prioritizing what Jesus commanded, which is to pray to the Father in secret. So I commend this practice to you, this carving out space to be with God in the morning. This is our morning sacrifice, referring back to Exodus 29. But what I've noticed for myself is that it's not enough. I don't mean it's not enough to satisfy God, as if God needs my time, as if God would love me more if I gave him more time. No. But what I've noticed, what I've noticed is this time with God in the morning is not enough 
to sustain my attention to God throughout the day. Let me say that again. My time with God in the morning is not enough to sustain my attention on God throughout the day. Now, I usually start out all right after being with God in the morning. Don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm glowing like Moses by any means, (laughs) but I'm at least a little less critical and anxious than I was before. Just ask my wife how uh, unchristlike I can be in the middle of the night before time with God and coffee, right? Sometimes I don't even feel like a Christian until I have that 10-minute shower in his presence. <laughs> Perhaps you can relate. This time with God in the morning centers me, makes me aware of the reality of God in our midst. But four hours later, I start thinking and acting like the false Brandon. You know, the one that is highly attuned to what others think of me the one that is fearful and anxious about what might happen someday in the future, the one that is self-critical and defensive when criticized, the one who feels guilty about everything, even if I'm not in the wrong. It's like my time with God is is a Tylenol that wears off every four to six hours. But then when I make time for God around noon, if I make time for God, even if it's just five to ten minutes, it has a way of recentering me. It realigns my focus away from myself and back onto God. And that's the ancient wisdom in Daniel's daily rhythm of prayer, three times a day. That's the ancient wisdom of the early church's daily rhythm of prayer, three times a day. Now, right now, I'm just advocating two times a day because you've got to start somewhere, so you're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, fast forward in my typical day, now, suppose it's been a good day, all right? And I've, I've gotten to enjoy two times with Jesus. Even still, I'm such a sinner, you guys, <laughs> that even by the time I get home, there's no guarantee I will enter the front door with a spirit of peace and calm and love. So one thing I've learned is to turn off the noise on my drive home, to turn off the podcast, turn off the music, and to pray through the fruits of the Spirit, for example. I breathe in God's love. I exhale my hate. I breathe in God's joy. I exhale my frustration. I breathe in God's peace. I exhale my anxiety, and so forth. And then after the craziness of dinner with three little ones and one exhausted mum, (laughs) when I'm really attuned to what God is doing in the world and in my life, I stop one more time. I sit on the deck, maybe with Stephanie this time, and, and we pray through a simple devotional giving thanks and praise to God for another day of life in the kingdom of Christ. This kingdom is available now for all who wish to enter, but we must enter through this daily rhythm of worship. But you're a pastor, you might be thinking. You're paid to do this kind of thing. Well, believe it or not, that's not the dominant view of what pastors ought to do with their time these days. I feel the pressure, just like all of you, to produce more, to achieve more, and to do it all for Christ's sake, with life or death on the line. But the invitation to me is the same as the invitation to you, and it comes from Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Will you come to Jesus this week? Will you meet him in the morning and the evening, even if it's just for 10 minutes? 
Will you make yourself available to the God who made himself available always to you? Lord, by your grace and by your spirit, help us to enter your kingdom. Amen. For our prayers of the people today,